0: They laughed at Louis Armstrong when he said he was going to go to the moon. Now he's up there laughing at him. Welcome in to the Bro 4 Squad podcast, where we are just a bunch of bros drinking beer and talking movies. This is episode 181, and I'm your host, the mayor, Jeff Kornacek. Thank you guys so much for joining us for the movie discussion tonight. Before we get started, let's go around and meet my partner in crime tonight, our legal counsel, Ronnie Cykley. Ronnie had a weird incident today at work My boss tried to fire me But don't worry, I yelled, I object So I still legally work there, right? I should show up tomorrow
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, did they Did he counter your objection?
0: Uh, they kicked me out of the meeting at that point But I assume it's just because I won
1: No, yeah, they're they're actually mad that you figured it out How to keep your job If anything, they're all gonna laugh tomorrow When he walk in at the 8am meeting
0: we're gonna have a good chuckle about this one
1: they're like horns horn is emotional he's a passionate person he's you know
0: i'd imagine he'll come up to me and shake my hand I'd Be like damn well played <laughs> egg on my face there are people out there that are actually that delusional though we're like i definitely won that exchange You're like you sir you were escorted out for-
1: the uh, george costanza is what we call those
0: people <laughs> should i not have done that was that frowned upon <laughs> All right, here on the Bro4Squad podcast, we normally begin every episode with the most important thing in any bro's life, and that is chest day. But tonight, we're actually going to bypass that. We've done this a few episodes, and it's our show. We, we make the rules, so try and stop me, Shmi. Don't try to stop me. Stop me. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, we're going to go to our protein shake, which is typically the second part of our show, where we go around and talk about what is in our cup, also known as what have we watched lately, mainly because uh, Cycle and I have... Many things that will cross over, and I think this portion of the show uh, will actually be a little more in-depth than it typically is. So, Cycly, well, Can we I...
1: admit really quickly why we don't have uh, the chess day right now? It's like, you and I still went, like 45 minutes off pod just talking. We're like, oh shit, look what time it is. So, yeah. sorry about that, guys.
0: Where does the time go? <laughs> you know? um, all right, Cycli, do we want to start and get the stuff out of the way that we haven't seen together? Sure, yeah. That's a good place to start. All right, I'll let you go first.
1: So I'll start with the one I've seen the least of so far, and that's a show called Inventing Anna um, on Netflix. Um, have
0: you Before seen Before you start, so the wife and I had watched the Tinder Swindler. and I, Yes. This, f- I, I have heard, is basically like a dramatization of a similar story. And we were interested in it, but we clicked on it, and I be- it's like eight, over hour long episodes each, Dude, right? Maybe even more. So my
1: wife has already bailed. Yeah. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying in a bad way, but and that's what I kinda of wanted to talk about. So again, you just hit the nail on the head. This is another show or miniseries or however you want to look at it about a quote unquote true story. Um that I, I don't know. I you know that like someone again swindled or uh faked her way to be in the upper echelon of manhattan nightlife right like very
0: make it yeah
1: very you know affluent and rich and going high society um and someone who is no one really knows who she really is and the thing is i mean i think it'd be entertaining or interesting if we haven't hadn't seen this a thousand times already Uh, but you know this is not a this is not new anymore. I mean, since the internet age, since the show catfish, like, or the movie catfish, like the internet has completely changed. And people used to do this for a long time before the internet, but obviously the internet has made it popular and easier to do to just defraud, uh, your identity and others around you. And does it make for good TV or interesting stories? Absolutely. I, I just don't know how many times we get the same story that keeps people interesting. So like, right. Halfway through, my wife's like, "eh, I'm not really feeling this." I'm like, "Okay, right, I'll stick it out." And then I've watched the second half of the second episode, or for sorry, first half of the second episode. um And it, again, really it feels like a movie, right? It's like yeah, the, the second episode is an hour five minutes. I was like, "Geez, what?" The... I have a life, Netflix. But I just and then don't...
0: Netflix goes, "But do you though?" <laughs>
1: but yeah, and they're like, "Fine, you're right. I don't." um And the thing is, if you haven't watched a lot of like. Uh, these type of shows or movies like one of my favorite like introductions into this world of true crime was like i think you and i talked about this back in like college was the movie imposter that was based on a true story mm-hmm. of a european um uh you know <laughs> uh, Froster and i'm trying to think of another word for him and like a he con based, artist basically. con artist, that's right sorry yeah. con artist perfect and there's a family in texas whose son had been missing for 10 years Oh yeah, this is... And this guy shows up and claims he's the son that's been found, he was kidnapped and taken to Europe in a sex ring and it, it, amazing movie. Actually the movie is like half documentary, half uh, you know, drama. Like they dramatize what's happening, but not in a corny way. But my point is like this was 10, 15 years ago. This is so repetitive and common now. And I just don't know what inventing Anna does for anyone what we need to be watching this for i mean i'm i was gonna ask is
0: there like a unique way that she sets up the con or like is there any because i hate to be that guy but like this story again like you said it's sadly more ubiquitous than it was 10 years ago like you could google this and there would be a billion results
1: well and that's the thing the story is told from the point of view of a journalist of a journalist who is kind of it seems like on her last chance at not not necessarily stardom but like redemption and getting her name You know be to be to be known as someone who's a good journalist and and reputable and it's told like you know she's basically hunting the story and trying to figure it out and the story goes from there and i just i i don't see myself really finishing it maybe i will maybe it will catch me on but um i don't blame you guys for starting it and backing out and i don't blame my wife for being like no you go ahead and watch it
0: so i guess that's not a recommendation then
1: um, like I said, I think, here's the thing, okay If you're not well versed In this genre of, not like Of true crime, but really like uh, Con man true crime mm-hmm. and um, Then I think it, it, it all for sure could be a great show But if you've seen Ten of these already You know, I think I think Murder true crime stories are, are Pretty, you know, more fun because well, That's not really horrible about murder, but Every murder is like so unique Right, <laughs> like every motive is different and the way it goes about it. But like these con artists are pretty repetitive on the ability to how they manipulate and who they can target. Um, and there's people who are easily preyed upon for a reason. So in my opinion, unless you like really like have seen the story and you're interested in it, go watch it. If you haven't been interested in this genre before, and not seen many of these shows or movies, I would say go watch it. But if you've like, me or us have seen plenty of this i I say this is a skip at least so far two episodes in
0: yeah the the tinder swindler to me was nice because it was more compact and i i think it was like a nice hour and a half right yeah um i i just hate to say i'm a little desensitized to these stories now kind of like you said so if there's nothing there that's like a unique hook then i might might leave this one
1: yeah what makes her special like, what makes this story special that I need to watch it?
0: Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, I watched the 1993 movie Leprechaun, <laughs> Which and
1: you were texting me during.
0: I was gonna say, I gotta tell you, Cycli, uh You're one of my best friends, but you did nothing to stop me from starting this movie. In fact, you encouraged me, and I would never <laughs> would stop you from watching this movie. <laughs> and before I get it briefly into Leprechaun, I, I want to bring up just sort of an interesting question to pose. So all these franchises where it's like i want to say horror adjacent like it's definitely a horror movie but it's like it's comedy it's comedic and i think this movie at times has an idea for a laugh and it goes for it for sure but at its core i don't i'm not sure if it's totally in on the joke which is inherent where a lot of the comedy is but here's the question so with franchises like this what, what leads to some of these decisions in terms of their installments? And I'll explain by stating this. So here are the first three installments in the Leprechaun franchise. There's Leprechaun, Leprechaun 2, and Leprechaun 3. And then cyclically, something must have happened with an exec where he's like, guys, we need more fucking juice. Because the next three Leprechaun movies in an already ridiculous franchise is Leprechaun 4 in space, Leprechaun 5 in the hood, and Leprechaun back to the hood t-h-a of course so what's the thought process here where they realize like we need to just go full send insanity like who's the guy that comes in is like it's too grounded bro leprechaun 3 is too gritty it needs to be more over the top
1: i i gotta okay i have not seen these movies i have heard many things and jennifer anderson is in the first one correct
0: I believe just the first one, but yes. Just first and, one. and it was, I think one of her first movie roles, it was in 93. When did Friends start that same year?
1: Around that, maybe a year or two later. Okay. Um, I, I think to, here's the thing. We have to look at the nineties as a different time. Um,
0: yeah. Friends is the next year, I think.
1: Yeah. So the nineties, if you really break down the nineties the movie, like we've talked about the Batman movies in the nineties repeatedly. Right, like, but think about how ridiculous so many plots were um, mm-hmm. that came out of our some of our '90s favorites. They're not, they're not ground. The '90s were not a grounded uh, era. Like, I I think that's the least grounded era we've probably ever seen in film. Maybe the '80s and '90s, um, and I think movies like Leprechaun. Well, people didn't have again before people were listening. Like, we there was no Netflix. There was you didn't you got like one movie on cable on a Friday night on NBC or ABC, right? Like you didn't get movies at home. Like we have so much access now. So people went to the movies all the time. Like that was it. If you go watch Seinfeld, go rewatch Seinfeld on Netflix. They literally in almost every other show talk about going to the movies. And I think that was a thing. That was a thing we would do. And so what do you do when like an entire, your entire population's form of entertainment consistently around the united states is going to the movie theaters right like we're not talking about new yorkers going to broadway and having a lot of their options we're talking about like rural nebraska and you know montana and
0: you drink and behind the walmart or you go to the movies you know? yeah
1: you go to the, exactly and we would do this when we grew up um and and i think movies like leprechaun did they have to be good or grounded to get people in the seats absolutely not like how much were the budgets and how much were they getting the movies the studios probably looked at it as look just make another one make it ridiculous people will still come for their back then it was like what three dollars a ticket yeah. four dollars a ticket and they'll make money and million dollar budget
0: fuck. made 8.6 million so. shit
1: that's at 800 on return so yeah. pretty solid. Like, yeah like why not and we see like you and i bro that still happens to this day you and i will defend the saw movies till we die do we need 10 of them we're about to get a 10th one um you know, like, but they are profitable. Um, I'm not saying we want saw in space, though. I would be into, interested in that.
0: <laughs> but, God. So again, that's when the franchise knows that it's dead and it has to inject some. Are you,
1: as someone who loves the Fast and Furious franchise, I'm surprised you would say that.
0: <laughs> well, considering spoiler alert for uh, Fast Nine the fact that they did it finally i was pretty upset in the theater i think i was audibly screaming at the screen
1: like stop this right now
0: my yeah. wife was like oh my god they're actually doing this <laughs> and then when ludicrous enters space i'm like oh, jesus christ
1: you're like this is like worse than the last jedi with leia
0: he's floating in orbit outside of the earth ludicrous from too fast that is ludicrous that's where his name comes from holy shit they've been setting but that joke.
1: i like how we got from leprechaun all the way here but i think it's a i, I think it's a, a applicable i mean i think that's the reason
0: having said all that leprechaun was i watched it by myself which is it's probably more fun with a group if you're like drunk and having fun and you know it does what it's supposed to do it's stupid it's bad i will say this and i put this in my letterbox review Jennifer Aniston is actually pretty good in it, considering, like, what she has to work with. Uh, does she, she take did. it seriously? She does, yeah. Hmm. And she's good. Like, I get what any, you know, producer would have seen at the time and been like, damn, this, she's a leading lady, for sure. Um, it's just so utterly ridiculous. The scene that I sent you is the <laughs> leprechaun on roller skates, chasing, chasing the hero down the street, crashes through a fence, and of course the hole in the fence is in the exact shape of the I life.
1: feel like I have to watch this. <laughs> I've heard so many things. I mean, the screams commentary.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's an hour 32 minutes, so it's very short. I, I won't even sit here and act like I'm not going to check out the second one. I just need to find a time when my wife is out of the house again. Because if she catches me watching this...
1: so Okay, I just want to make sure. It's not like Gremlins where it's like a lot of them it's like it's one leprechaun it's
0: one leprechaun yeah
1: interesting okay and, and is he evil like chucky or is he just like he's
0: definitively evil yes okay yeah it's like murder uh yeah i mean i don't want to i mean a leprechaun
1: it's me. a horror movie no i just you know i'm not saying he's going to kill a specific person he's yeah, like, a killer
0: there's some gore in it he's definitely ill-intentioned and as a killer look i won't even lie either in the 90s, like, if I would have seen this movie when it came out, which I guess I would have been, like, five at that time, so, well, then it would have fucked me up. Like, this guy would have scared the shit out of me. Because he has a very nefarious laugh, too. It's
1: just not talked about, like, in the realm of, like, the movies that came out around that time. Like, the the Chucky, like, you know, I'm thinking specifically Chucky, because that's probably really comparable, or Child's Play.
0: Because and I'm looking at it, according to Google, and I think... Some of these might be like in 2014, there was a Leprechaun Origins, and then in 18, they did a Returns, which doesn't look like it's part how, of this franchise. How either way, there's I, six movies in the.
1: I didn't even you know. know those existed. Yeah. You're talking about three, four, four years ago?
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. So, All right, Leprechaun 93, it's on Peacock. Don't watch it, but watch it. What else you got, Cycly? I uh,
1: watched Doctor Sleep, which is. I was sexy during this. So this is a sequel, um, to the shining. I've, you know, I, and it's also shining, a book
0: too. Cause that, I know a lot of people were like, well, there's going to make a fucking sequel to the shining. Like no, Stephen King wrote a book. This Yeah. Book.
1: And second of all, it's also been like thir- four, 35, you know, this isn't like, Oh, we got to get a shining out. sequel. it's not like the next year, like mm-hmm. shining to electric boogaloo. Like dude, like clearly they didn't wait this long for a reason. Um,
0: you love so you Ewan
1: you, you McGregor. Um you know, he's he's basically the main, I mean, major cast. Rebecca Ferguson, Kylie Curran. I didn't know most of the cast, to be honest with you.
0: Um but I think just Carl your... Lumbly, who I think is great casting is Halloran, because he looks exactly like him. Uh he <laughs> is in Falcon and Winter Soldier. And then Bruce Greenwood, I recognize too as Dr. Dalton.
1: Yeah. The the casting I will say, because they play this in the first five minutes of this movie take place immediately after the shining. And I thought that was really well done. I think the, the, the the role of the mother um, was obviously recasted because, you know, she's not around anymore, but it was very well done. Like she looked the part and acted the part. Um, And, so, you know, then the movie fast forwards like 40 years, 30 years. And Ewan McGregor, who is who is Danny Torrance grown up, um, you know, has those experiences. And he basically still lives with his shining, right? Like he can still yeah, hear people go in his head. It doesn't go away, but it's driven him, his experiences with his dad and mom and the shining has driven him to like severe alcoholism, just like, just like his a piece dad. Of, yeah. And he's a piece of shit like the movie is pretty dark. I'm not in a scary way. Like I mean, the first the first 30 minutes um, explore some really fucked up shit that Ewan McGregor's alcoholism causes um, and some cool uh, horror effects uh, that I don't want to spoil it because I don't you know, I want I, I would say, you know, for some people, this will be a good movie. Um, but I, I really like what they did, especially in the beginning of the film then around like the 45 minute mark or you know and i was texting you this the movie completely goes in a different direction than i ever thought yeah you know what what if you heard okay it's a sequel to shining you would think the movie takes place revolving around the hotel the overlook hotel the the story with the family um it it takes it again not to give anything away but the story really focuses on like this little cult who hunts and eats people with shining ability
0: which that's a leap from the first one
1: it's it's a leap um now i like how they do it at least start it they hunt children and it's done again this is shown in a really creepy way like they're kidnapping children and like abuse you know not abusing them but like you're seeing i mean they're they're not shy about showing some you know some of the atrocities that they commit. And I was really liking that. That sounds really weird to say, um, but long-term it, this movie is a long runtime. I think it's over two and a half hours.
0: Yeah. Two I mean, that includes yeah, credits, but yeah. Yeah.
1: And at some point it's a little much, it's a little long. There obviously is a climax at the overlook hotel that takes place probably in the last 20 minutes. Um, the Danny Torrance is finally accepts his, you know, his ability and his he's gonna work and help save this child who has a really strong shining ability. But it almost feels like sounds really strange. And maybe those who are listening will agree. It sounds like a Twilight version or like vampire-esque version of of I wouldn't even say of the shining. It just it almost feels like a vampire movie. Like not a teenage vampire movie like like Twilight, but just a vampire like movie.
0: interview with a vampire
1: y- yeah and it's but it's <laughs> it would be like not a huge but bo- it'd be like if what would be a i don't know usa what who? what's a network that would do a dark like a made for tv movie but a dark one
0: maybe like fx, FX always, yeah we give it fx credit l- for everything on this pod yeah
1: because it wouldn't be, you know, Lifetime or anything. It would be like, this is a very well-made... At least this part of the film is a very well-made TV movie. TNT, the, maybe. TNT would be a good one, yeah. So, I don't know if that dissuades people from watching. I enjoyed it. I think it's a little long on the runtime. The story kind of goes in a different direction. I didn't hate the way it went, but... Um, I, I would recommend it. If you like The Shining, if you like and McGregor and kind of like dark movies, I, I wouldn't say it's like you'll be happy you spent all that time watching it, but it was worth the watch and I'm glad I did.
0: The, sh- the Shining is one of the rare instances where I actually read the book before I saw the movie. Um, and as a result, it always gives you a different experience when you have the book as your mm-hmm. uh, perspective or jumping off point with this one. I think I might kind of be interested in doing the same thing, reading the book and then watching the movie. I will say the, the genre element to it is interesting. I'm not sure if I will dislike it or like it, but it's even listed as thriller fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't imagine, I haven't looked it up yet and I'm not going to, because that would require me to put my wine glass down with my left hand. But I think the shining would just be thriller horror, right? I mean like there's like some hallucinations in it, obviously, but I don't, I don't think I would classify the first one as a fantasy movie.
1: No, absolutely not. Um, I get the fantasy part about this there's definitely like i said horror elements thriller elements there are throwbacks to shining that make that that's what makes this movie really good when it's at its best but there's a lot of this movie that like kind of lags or you're just kind of like am i watching the movie i thought i was going to be watching yeah that's that's kind of the so if i went on reddit like on uh on the subreddit of our horror and this was the one of the most like just I don't know like people either loved this movie or hated this movie. People are like this is one of the best sequels we've ever had. People are like how can anyone like this movie it's pure
0: trash. Do it people was so need divisive. To have seen the shining to see because that's the other risk you run and probably part of the reason why they began the movie with pretty much a, the direct ending to the first film. Because The Shining, it was like a 40-year-old movie. Like, the amount of people that are like, okay, I'm ready to just pick up this story where it left off is is probably few and far between. So is it effective as a standalone movie, you feel like? Or do you definitely need the context of the first one to appreciate The
1: thing it? is, I think you could make it a standalone... Like, if you cut this movie in a way to be about this little cult who hunts people who can shine, that's its own movie. Or you could do the direct linkage of this movie, of, of The Shining, to this movie and cut out the other part of it. But they decided to do both.
0: Dude, what if they did a thing like they did with Split, and it doesn't work because it's a book, but like, the movie happens, and at the very end, you realize this kid is Danny Torrance from uh, The Shining. Like, He ends yeah, up at the better. Overlook Hotel. You're like, wait, what the fuck? Yeah, how did we get here? <laughs> Pretty cool.
1: It, it, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. That's all I would say. If you're looking for something that you are hearing, sequel to Shining... It's not what you would expect.
0: Yeah, that fantasy element can throw people off. Yeah, it made it, uh, eighty-five million at the box office. I'm not sure what the budget was, but probably not a resounding success. Considering, yeah, the I simple. don't I don't think
1: I would consider that a success. With considering how The Shining is such an <sighs> iconic film.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. I watched a movie called The Three Fifty Five. You might have heard of this. Came out in mm-hmm. January. It's now on Peacock. I I don't know if it was a day-and-date release on Peacock, but it's been on there for a little while, Um, and it was one of the first theatrical theatrical releases of the year. It's kind of like a female's version of The Expendables, except with much more capable actors. Like, The Expendables, it's like everyone who's washed up and they need the paycheck. The 355 is like Jessica Chastain, Diane Kruger, Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz... That's what we're working with. Um, Sebastian Stan is in it, which we he need to get a. In everything I was it, gonna say. We need to get a Brooker Award for like he's in fucking everything. Out of nowhere, I think Sebastian Stan's in my kitchen right now. Like, I would watch out after
1: eating, watching fresh.
0: Yeah, you don't I want him sh- in your kitchen. I probably should go check that out. Um, and I, we'll actually talk about him here in a second. But Sebastian Stan is in this. He's great in everything. The the. Uh, like, four female leads are awesome in this. Great to see them together in, like, a kick-ass action movie. The problem is it's just so paint-by-numbers, man. Like, the quote-unquote twist, you see an absolute mile away. Like, nothing surprising about that. And then, like, where the plot goes, there's nothing really unique about it. If you want to watch a movie of, like, some decent action scenes, not great. Like, there's no real good, like, car chase or vehicle scene in it. And the fighting is, like, decent, but it's not incredible um i don't know it it was it was not that good i did i what i was expecting was like a total popcorn thriller cheesy explosions everywhere chicks kicking dudes asses it's a lot more talking than i wanted and again every trick that it thinks it has up its sleeve you're like yeah i know that's surprising because looking
1: at the trailer i would imagine like they were going all out on the like female action movie
0: yeah, I almost feel like it It at times tries to shy away from that aspect, maybe afraid it's going to beat you over the head with it. But to my thing, I would say, and I know Charlie's Angels like bombed based on this premise, but Charlie's Angels almost seemed like its goal was to alienate men as opposed to prom- empower women. And this film kind of feels like the latter, like it feels like it did it the right way. And I just love Jessica Chastain, and I fully believe she could kick the shit out of any man that she wanted to. So... It's very believable that she is her character in this, and I love Lupita Nyong'o. Although they give her this completely superfluous British accent, I even looked it up. She's not British, so I like I don't know why whose choice that was. Hello, Governor. It's basically like that. And ne- you're like, you're like come again? Like she's Kenyan. I don't. Know. And Nick, <laughs> like, the Kenyan. No one wants to of- see this. <laughs> She's Kenyan, and she was born in Mexico City. Now, I understand that Kenya might have been colonized by the British, as was, like, every African nation, but she would not be speaking. Hello, I'm Lupita Nyong'o, how are you?
1: Nothing is a, the best British accent is Lily on How I Met Your Mother. Well, bollocks, what's this about, then?
0: <laughs> so the 355, uh... I was thinking about
1: checking it out, but yeah. I, I feel like unless I really have nothing else to do after...
0: Right. It was one of those things where, like, I was like, "Hey, this is like one of the first quote unquote big releases of the year," and it. I've been meaning to get to it just because I like to see like all the important stuff from the year, and I hadn't. So I was like, "All right, I'll give it a poke. Have some time." Uh, it it fell slightly below my expectations for it.
1: What was the reception overall?
0: I don't think great. Yeah. Not phenomenal. It's not like it's not going to anger you with how bad it is. It's just like, did we need this? Why, why? I just. <laughs> I'm getting to a point when,
1: like, pure action movies... I don't give a shit. Like, don't give me the female-male thing. Like, I don't care. Action movies are such a dime a dozen now. Like, I'm like, give me yeah. an actual story. Like, I don't know. Like, to me, I don't need to sit here and watch explosions for, you know, and gunfights nonstop. I'm like, okay, I like that. But I, I'm just finding myself less interested in the genre in, in a weird way.
0: And it does set up for a sequel at the end, which I don't think we'll get because... According to a quick cursory Google search, this thing lost about $15 million between budget and box office. And you could attribute part of that to it being on Peacock. Not that there's many people like, well, we're either paying to go see the 355 in theaters or we're going to watch it at home. Like, I don't know if that's really a debate that's happening, but what at all is my incentive to go to the theater if I can just watch it on.
1: Yeah, and not, there's, we've always talked on the pod. There's some movies you absolutely want to and need to see in the theater. Mm -hmm. Maybe because it's an action film and you want the surround sound and you want the effects of the big screen, but I think we're past that, at least on these
0: kind of movies. And I am kind of getting, maybe worried is too strong of a word, but the action movie that isn't also a comedy is kind of a dying breed. Like, this movie, it's not, like, completely deadpan serious. Like, there's a few... uh, like dry humor jokes but like if it's not a ryan reynolds laughing and blowing things up like can it work anymore like are we just going to go watch the straight up action film that isn't a a, an ip or like a superhero movie i don't know yeah i don't know if there's a market for that anymore
1: yeah exactly like okay james bond has a market right like it could be an action movie but it's like how many more are we going to introduce i don't
0: know 355 uh very soft recommend. All right, what else you got? Cuz we're about to hit the crossover area here. Yeah,
1: I I think my last one that I have that you and I haven't seen together is uh, Margin Call. This is a 2011 film that I had literally never heard of. Um I don't know how I hadn't heard of it because the cast, and I'll get into that in a second. Um but this was one of those nights like my wife was out of town. And sometimes you just get sick of scrolling, right? Like you get si- it, When we were young and we would go through Blockbuster oh. or Hollywood video, like that was the dream. That was the best, like just walking around. But now like just hitting the down button on Netflix or Hulu or HBO, it's like, it's like, dude, there's almost too many. You don't know what to do. So I mean, we,
0: that, literally everything is at our fingertips and it really has desensitized us. Yes. So
1: like, I was thinking that yesterday. I'm like, I'm, there's nothing to watch. I'm like, dude, there's a literally like you would have killed someone. 20 years ago to have this kind of access um so i i I was just like it was she had been gone for a couple days i was like you know what i'm sick of scrolling like the the i I remember on the cover on netflix was um you know i saw margin call and it was a pen badgley who we know from you and he was in gossip girl and there was kevin spacey and like jeremy iron it's like what is this movie and i said you know what fuck this i don't I'm not going to even Google it. Literally didn't read the plot or anything. I just hit play. Um, turned out pretty good. Um, it's now, so I'll get into the plot here. The, the movie takes place in 2008, um, right before the, the horrible financial uh, crisis and the housing market burst. Um, if you weren't really paying attention in 2008, maybe you're a little young, like what we're going through now or anything, that doesn't even come close to how bad things were. Um, in 2008 and basically uh, this film takes place over maybe 24 hours maybe you know a little less than that um, at a financial firm where they're doing some layoffs and they lay off this guy who's the head of risk management and he's like why are you laying me off like this makes no sense from a cost to benefit analysis but he's like whatever and they they uh, stand um they get rid of him And as he's walking out, one of his like subordinates comes and he's like, hey, I'm so sorry. Uh, We're going to miss you. And he hands him a disk drive and he's like, hey, finish what I was working on. Be careful, though. Like he just that's the last thing the elevator closes. And I'm not going to give anything much more away, but it's based loosely on the true story of what happened in 2008 with these financial firms. So it's not really a spoiler, but basically this employer who decides to stay out late, like stay in the office late because, you know, there's layoffs. So he wants to look good opens this disk drive and finishes the work that his, his boss had been doing. And he realizes something horrible. He realizes that we're on this cusp of like a financial uh, crash. Right. And basically the movie takes place at like nine o'clock at night. And what happens until the start of day. And it starts with going to one boss who's Kevin Spacey and Kevin Spacey goes to the next boss and goes to the next boss until Jeremy Irons is the CEO. And they're having meetings at 5am realizing that, all of these projections are showing that all of their assets are going to be worthless in, in a few weeks or months and that they're good. It's the, the losses are going to be more than the worth of the company. And so what do you do? And it's basically the precipice or the start of what caused the 2008 financial crisis. And you and I talked to off pod, we talked about big short um, about how these movies can be a little convoluted and um difficult and slow
0: because they're just concepts and i'm an idiot i guess but they're just concepts that are so over my head that it's sometimes hard to enjoy the story i I
1: don't it is nothing like dude to anyone i mean i don't think unless you are living that industry that these are things are supposed to make sense and the movie does try to like you know bring it down to an understanding level um it it's just it, it it it's a slow movie so you have to be in the mood for this. I would absolutely recommend it, but you have to be in the right state of mind. Um, If you're feeling something that's very character driven and a slow burn without a lot of payoff. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. Sometimes movies like um, Zodiac where like, they're true stories and you know, there's no climactic ending, right? right? Like you're, you're getting a story. You're not watching for the crescendo at the end. So if you're okay with that, I would absolutely recommend this movie. This cast list is is absolutely insane. So I said Kevin Spacey, Jeremy Irons, Stanley Tucci, Paul Badgley, Simon Baker, um, Demi Moore, <laughs> uh, Ashley Williams. Who, if you know how I met your mother, uh, we love. Um, but it's just it's. Is and that I Ciccino, just, Spock. Yeah, yeah it's just, I don't even know how this movie. I don't know how I hadn't heard about this movie. I don't know had you heard about this movie at all.
0: I don't think um, so.
1: No. Yeah. Paul Bettany, who I fucking love in in The Knight's Tale. Um, you know, he, he I was like, what? He's in this, too?
0: But uh, yeah, it's a good is encore like, cast. Stanley Tucci's great in everything he shows up in. Yeah, he's the guy who actually gets fired at the beginning. Interesting. Yeah. So Is he bald in it? He has to be bald in everything, right? He is, yes. <laughs> Pretty good.
1: I, it's again if you if you remember the two thousand eight crisis like I I think it'd be interesting you learn a lot you, you know it teaches you some things that you didn't know but if you're wanting something like you know highly entertaining I don't think this is the movie at least at that time for you so maybe it just be in the mindset for it
0: would you say it is better than the big short which again I'm not a huge fan of it. I don't know how much you like it. <laughs>
1: I think they're very different films while they're like broaching the same subject because this again takes place in one night.
0: Gotcha. And, yeah, that's the problem with the big short, I feel like it's very elongated storytelling. Yeah.
1: And I like I liked this movie because it showed the thought process of these financial firms who we as society, and I'm agreeing. I'm not agreeing with them. I'm I'm on the side of society that can say like, "You fucked us over in the economy, and you caused the crash on purpose to save yourself money." Mm-hmm. But it lets you at least see. And again, they're not. This movie is not defending them. But you're seeing this line of thinking about how these people are thinking. Like they're saying, "If it's not us, someone else is going to do this." And Kevin Spacey, who just is ironic because of of course who what we know about Kevin Spacey now, he's a big proponent. Like his he is struggling with his morale, um, what he's asked to do and what he needs to do, that's of course. Of and and you're seeing people like they're putting people to in the job they know like, hey, saying we need you to do this, and at the end of the day, you're not gonna have a job. Yeah. Like that's it's it's a pretty intense movie in that way. But again, no, No big crescendo, no big payoff here. Um, Just a character-driven, well-written movie.
0: I guess it is kind of an interesting... I kind of like the idea of, like, is this inevitable anyway? And is me saving my ass, like, really not preventing anything? Or is it just such bad bad optics that Mm -hmm. it's sort of indefensible at the end of the day? Like, that's sort of an interesting moral dilemma.
1: Jeremy Irons, who plays the CEO, literally mentions to his staff about he mentions every crash in the history like starting from the 18 the early 1900s yeah it's saying this is not the last one this is the first one it's like we're just going to be proactive here
0: i mean it's it sounds horrible to say it sounds callous but it's also not wrong
1: it's capitalism baby
0: yeah 100% all right i don't know if you watched this i know we were texting about it scream 3 did you go back and revisit this yes i did Okay. I think we both
1: sleep. fell asleep at the same time. Correct. But I had seen it before, and you hadn't.
0: I know, and I felt bad, but... I, I it felt, was late. Yeah, I fell asleep, like, beginning of the third act, so, like, shit hadn't quite hit the fan yet. And I won't spoil this at all, because I know a lot of people are going back and revisiting the Scream movies. Um, because the Scream, what is it, 5 now? Is the, the new one that's yes. on Paramount+. Plus. and
1: we're getting a sixth one officially.
0: Yeah, which I'm pumped about, because I really like the new one. Um, Scream 3, let me say this, Cycle. You had told me before that sort of the fan consensus is that this is the weakest Scream movie. Yeah. Is that right? If but that's not the, in a horrible way. I was going to say, if right. that's the case, <laughs> yeah. this is a strong-as-fuck franchise. If this is your worst entry... Yeah. Because I thought this was still pretty dang good. I mean, it wasn't, like, mind-blowing at all. and You definitely kind of feel like... And this is where I could sort of feel bad for Wes Craven that these movies were so successful because they do – like, the whole premise of Scream can get tired pretty quickly. That's why, like, after we get Scream 6, I'm totally cool with taking, like, another six, seven years off. You know, because, like, the meta component of it works, but it can be overdone. Like, Deadpool. I'm glad we've had five or six years before. Between Deadpool 2 and Deadpool 3. Because like the wink, yeah. wink, nudge, nudge, I'm in a movie thing is funny. <laughs> but at a certain point, it's like, all right, dude. You have like me How many up? times am I going
1: to put myself through this? Yeah.
0: Right. And I will say what Scream 3 does is it it does, it does tries to subvert the, sort of the concept of it by putting it in a completely different. Like, it's meta on meta in this one in the sense that, like, the murders are happening involving Maybe around a so movie you. based on the murders that are happening. <laughs> yeah. In how about, meta can we get correct yeah and the i think the only thing that sort of falls short for me i won't spoil anything obviously but what they end up doing at the end of the film like where they went with it it just it didn't feel meta at that point it felt like they fell into another trope and that mm-hmm. could be like wes craven getting notes from the studio or whatever but for the most part i enjoyed it and i'm excited to see scream 4 which i've never seen that's the last one i have to watch
1: and And I'm excited for you to see that because i I've only seen screen Four once, but going online again, that that is people are saying that's arguably the second best one. Um, there's like a, including the new one? one, including the new one. Oh, so wow. I think I think four, five, and two are, you know, kind of up there fighting for that position. And I think that's where Scream three is kind of left on its own. Not that Scream three is a bad movie. I, I I felt the same way. I don't I've seen it multiple times. I mean, now Courtney Cox's hair is, is, I don't know what the fuck was going on That's there. That's probably
0: the most horrific part of the film.
1: <laughs> she actually talks about, like, you can look up interviews about this. Because um, that is not something just, like, random people notice. It is It is. It was atrocious. like they were
0: trying to pull, like, a uh, uh, Rachel from Friends. Like, we're going to make a fucking fashion statement. And you're like, God, this is the z- the Zeppelin of hairstyles. Like, it is cracking this is, burning.
1: It's the haircut I gave to my sister's nutcracker when I was, like, four years old
0: thinking it's like the if, hair would grow back. If you're at summer camp and you're a girl and you're pranking like your an en- enemy That's, and you're drunk, yep. she's asleep, <laughs> so you would cut her hair. Yes.
1: Um Wendy, Lindsay Lohan would do it to Amanda Bynes, I feel like that should have been a film. Um but yeah, like I I'm I'm with you. Like Scream 3 is a, a very commendable add to the franchise. Like I mean, can you hit a home run every single time? Like No. Fuck, Scream might be up there with with five plus movies, like of the best to do it consistently. Um, you know, we, like, again, we've talked about all the saw movies. Um, it is pretty impressive how they can do this. So I, I, you can't be mad at a movie for having a little bit of drop off. And it makes sense that the third one does.
0: Yeah. And again, if this is the worst, I I have to say the scream movies, like I'd seen the first one many years ago. And as a horror fan, this was still kind of like a blind spot to me, but if this is the worst installment, dude, it's one of the best horror franchises to ever exist. And not that that's a hot take, but just count me in the consensus of people that feel that way about yeah. it.
1: Yeah. And I love it. Again, we've said this a thousand times, Sam at home, because it's a horror movie, but it's it's a it's a horror movie for horror
0: fans. Right.
1: Like, we are enjoying the commentary along the ride.
0: Yeah. I mean, you can't... The things that you would normally critique a horror movie for, it cuts you off on the past. Yep. To make that statement it's like no i know and <laughs> here's my rebuttal and you're like Damn. no we're
1: agreeing with you and yes like, you're Shit. correct
0: <laughs> i hate when horror movies do that it's like no you need to just yeah. let me just have this criticism all right do you have anything else that we haven't watched otherwise you can not
1: that up. we haven't watched together yet
0: all right pick whatever you want that we have seen together i, I have one more thing but i'll just bring it up at the very end it's really brief no feel free all right i'll knock it out real quick uh so you and i always agree and i don't think it's again some epiphany that we've had because everyone kind of feels this way you need some trash reality tv show that you're watching Mm -hmm. like currently because we work this is everyone we all work too damn hard during the day when you get home you need to be able to turn your brain off and watch drunken idiots on a reality tv show that make you feel better about yourself yeah and the current show for me here and i cannot recommend this highly enough and i'm telling you dude You might think at home that Peacock sponsors this podcast because the stock in my current feelings of Peacock has been on an astronomical climb, and this show is on there. Summer House. It has six seasons, and my wife and I just watched season one. It started in 2016, I think. Have you ever heard of this show?
1: No. That's why I was looking it up. I'm like, huh? Okay,
0: so the premise is it is... So in New York City, a lot of like, people who can afford it, obviously, will rent summer houses in Montauk up the shore. And then every weekend, they'll all drive up there, go to the house, get drunk and party on the beach, forget about the stress of their lives and their job. And then they'll drive back on, on Sunday night or sometimes like early Monday morning to work with their week again and then come back. And this, this always culminates with a big Labor Day party at the end of summer. Well, Summer House is just about that. It follows a group of people. It's a reality TV show, who rent a house in Montauk, and it really briefly follows them, like at their jobs during the week. But I'd say ninety percent of it is them getting drunk. They're like mid twenties to early thirties uh, people at this house in Montauk, going out to the bars in Montauk, partying at the house, and just as you can imagine, the chaos that ensues. And it is utterly fucking ridiculous, but so goddamn insane. <laughs> How
1: does this show have six seasons?
0: I don't know. Because I think each year they like kind of change up who's in the house with them, you know, like who gets to rent it. Like some people come visit and stuff. And if they meet someone out at the bar or go to someone else's house to hook up with them, they call it playing an away game. (laughs) Great. So I just looked
1: it up. So I started on Bravo.
0: Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's uh, and again, Peacock, it's just easy to plow through this. Two two things I'll say,
1: like, and I absolutely happy to admit I thought it was better than. First off, Peacock. You know, a year ago, yeah, I was very much like the Regina George meme. Stop trying to make Peacock happen. It's not gonna
0: happen. Seriously though, that was me too. Like
1: it was like only the office. I mean, I know they have a lot of soccer again. I've said on the pot a huge soccer fan. They have the Premier League on there, that's great. Um, so that kept me in. And then all of a sudden they, they went in on movies and shows. But two, and (laughs) it's only because of COVID that I gave my first reality show a chance. And fuck, you know what, dude? Yeah, you're right. You know, you need this. You, you one of these at
0: least, yeah.
1: You need some. Like it again. We all work hard. We all like have you know our monotony of the day to day. Like, dude, sometimes it's good to like put on and watch stupid people be trashy and make you feel like you said better than better for yourself.
0: Like boost that confidence a, after a hard day's work and it's like a fucking wednesday night and you're like jesus fucking beaten down sometimes you don't want to watch something that's intellectually stimulating and i don't i, feel I don't like I think. Should. i either want to watch this or play my wcw n64 game you know what i'm saying let me turn yeah. my brain off and be a fucking mindless crow magnet for two seconds yeah.
1: and you know i'm a like i used to think i was like oh you watch reality tv shows oh my god like i'm like Dude, fuck! You. You're watching reality TV. Yeah. I was literally at a pub like two weeks ago, and we were talking to this other couple that were like, "Have you seen Love Is Blind?" And we're like, "Oh shit! Did you see? Like, it was like this is stupid, but I love it."
0: <laughs> I know it's great. And the great thing about Summer House, we usually watch it like right before we go to bed, and it's like every single episode we're laughing at people and making fun of them, and we'll pause it and just like debate how fucking utterly absurd these people are. And the best part is. They're drunk 90% of the time. It's incredible. Like, those, like those livers, man. It's in, I really don't know how... I don't know how they're all not, like, 300 pounds. Kind of yeah, weird. I don't understand that. I'll have one beer. I'm like, oh, God. Seriously, I'm bloated. Guys, yeah, so I've got to move to liquor. All right, Cycli, what else? All right, so should we...
1: Let's see. How how about we just tackle Wizard of Oz because I think we can do that quickly? Um, Because recently we just watched, you were dropping it, what, next week?
0: By the time this episode's out, it'll already be on the channel.
1: Great. So we did a commentary on Wizard of Oz, one of the most iconic and memorable and most watched films of all time, if not the most watched film of all time.
0: I think we actually said on there, there are several studies, maybe not the most reliable, but that claim it has probably been seen more than any other movie.
1: And and honestly, it makes sense. I mean, we talk about that on this uh, on the commentary. So we we probably don't want to get too into this on this comment uh, on this podcast episode um so we just recommend that you watch wizard of oz um the commentary with us cuz obviously there's you know you've seen the movie everyone's seen the movie there's no spoilers here what it's i like Max, yeah what i'd like to say is if you don't know about the making of this movie everyone knows this movie everyone knows the songs everyone knows the characters but the behind the scenes of this movie is one of the most fucked up um dark twisted depressing set movie sets probably in history. I mean, there's probably others that we don't know about, but in terms of the ratio of like how famous the movie is, like, I don't think you can get more like depressing and dark. Like, well, yeah, I'm sure there was more fucked up shit, but I don't think it's
0: huge. crazy to say that comparing this to like the movie rust which shut down production. Cause someone died on the set of wizard of Oz. Yeah. Like yeah. if this movie were made now, it would have been shut down in production.
1: Yeah. Um Judy Garland's getting uh abused uh by the set directors. Um she is getting groped and molested by the chipmunks, the chipmunks.
0: Uh,
1: the uh oh my god, what are their names? Munchkins? Munchkins. Why did I say chipmunks? Yeah, Munchkins. Um who were reportedly drunk for like the entire filming. Jesus. Um 72 hours at a time. They would just film nonstop. Um yeah, I mean, you can talk about why like actors have strong unions today. Like this movie is one. The of dog
0: was paid more than the Munchkins. Not a joke.
1: Yeah, not a joke. Oh. Uh, the the witch. I didn't. We didn't talk about this in the commentary. She gets caught on fire, like, in real life. Ooh. Like has severe burns that she had to live with. Uh, we talked about the Tin Man. Um, Scarecrow and what they had to go through and their scars. So I don't want to, like, spoil any of it. I'm just saying, like, this movie is more than that beloved Wizard of Oz movie you know. And it was a a fun episode to go through.
0: If I'm being honest, it really kind of fucking really shifts my view of the film. Like, I don't know if I revere it anymore, knowing what we had to go through to get it as a piece of art.
1: (laughs) I respect it because it was so iconic, but it's kind of like love love the art not the artist
0: i guess maybe it's just like as a culture we just have a naivety to it right it's like oh it's the wizard of oz it's very fantastical and it's a a piece of uh you know cinematography or or cinema that we will always cherish and you're like yeah dude but it was like smoking blood from a stone to get this movie like the at what cost
1: yeah uh my god like i said it's it's a fun one to go back and revisit what is the cost? I don't know. Nineteen thirty-nine, no standards back then. But you know, everyone knows this movie. Um, I want to see um, the God, documentary about the making of. God, that that's would be what I Awesome. Want. I, w- I want, I want that. I want the eight-part series of the making of Wizard of Oz.
0: Dude, that be, would... I don't
1: think we could watch it again. I feel like you get to real depth on this. I think you and I would be like, dude, I can't. I can't do this.
0: Yeah, we'd probably be like, yeah, I thought I wanted this. Can we stop it now?
1: Yeah. But yeah, we'll let the rest of, I mean, at least for my part, uh, if you want to say anything else. But uh, I would recommend going and listen to that one because that was a, that was an interesting commentary than we usually do because we learn a lot about, we talk about a lot about what's going on in the background.
0: Right, yeah, maybe more so than any movie. Um, so I would definitely recommend it. It's on HBO Max, like I said, so you can go listen to our commentary and watch the movie with us. Um, Pam and Tommy, the Hulu show. Finish this. I have to say, I know we've been talking about this weekly. Um, what was it six Was it six episodes or eight? Seven, eight? Seven, that sounds right. I think it. ended, we were a little bit skeptical last week, just or even like two weeks ago, like, what story is there left to tell? And I think it ended on a good crescendo. I think this thing peaked uh, in its last episode, or at least became came close to hitting that apex that it had. I think episode two is probably its strong point, but mm-hmm. definitely ends on a high note for me. It's one of those nice limited series where you kind of know the whole time that Hulu isn't going to try and tease you with some weird follow-up season that you might be like left not completely satisfied because it's just not how the story leno you know, lends itself I
1: think you get remarried in real life so maybe
0: that's that's true and i, I want let me ask you that i guess it's your so i guess there's only no way to talk about it without spoilers so
1: i mean if you don't know the story really i don't know how that's true to... but
0: if you haven't seen pam and tommy and you want to skip ahead or don't want to know skip ahead maybe hit that 30 second forward button like three or four times but were you satisfied with where it ended because i feel like there's still is a lot more, not a lot more, but there are interesting parts to the story that they didn't touch in or touch on. And the way it ends, man, you you just kind of feel bad for them as a couple. Like I know before this, this show came out, a lot of people were like, how's it going to portray Pam and Tommy? I definitely feel like they both come across as sympathetic figures. Tommy Lee in his own Tommy Lee way, but of course, especially Pamela Anderson.
1: Yeah, that's a good point because I mean, the show ends with Pam... Pamela Anderson is icon as just everyone knows her. No one knows her as the person she probably wants to be known as, right? Like, I mean, you feel that in the show. She really has ambitions to be taken seriously as an actress, um, to go for serious roles. And they obviously never come. Um, I mean, you know, I don't think that's due to, you know, her ability. I think that's a lot of it's her talent. I mean, not to be rude about it, but she did want that. She wasn't there just to be a playboy. Um, You know, while I think she had to fit that mold and narrative just because that was what society put on her and Tommy Lee, you know, his fame was really the eighties and who gives a shit about Motley Crue starting in the nineties. And I think that was an interesting way to end it. It's just basically Pamela and Tommy looking at their lives like, Oh, the, the, the prime is past. Now like and That is a depressing way to kind of Look at it but it is true I mean this is a true Story I think the show Could have Skipped a little bit of the uh, The litigation portion They abandoned the Seth Rogan and
0: uh, um, Nick Offerman Nick
1: Offerman Portion yeah. of the story I think they Could have gone a little deeper with that And what went down Because um, that's it, where it
0: had its Most momentum to me
1: I think so, too. I think they really abandoned that in the middle part of the series. So, I mean, we know that. We know Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee, like, basically go off the deep end in their fame in the early 2000s. Um, Tommy Lee especially goes to jail. And, I mean, who gives a shit about him now? But I, I think this show would have been, it could have been a two-and-a-half-hour movie or two-hour
0: movie. That would have been better as that, I agree.
1: Yeah or just maybe a four-parter i don't think we needed seven episodes i enjoyed it i'm not going to complain but i I think there was a lot of gaps here and it ended well but we should have gotten to that earlier
0: i think the tough part here and we've echoed this a couple times on the pod but is there's really three stories and you kind of have to pick which one you want to tell for it to really feel Mm -hmm. like it's focused as a show so there's there's the heist element right like Seth Rogan's character being wronged and getting his vindication by sort of lucking into this tape and what it means to him but it's also about like the small guy who's been stepped on his whole life you know finding some method to his, fight back his
1: manhood being small
0: actually yes he has a small <laughs> penis um and sort of his moral dilemma with with doing that cuz that is a really interesting part of the story then there is the cultural impact of this sex tape like is it going too far to say that this like made the internet like populous
1: mm-hmm.
0: like when no you, i don't you, think it is it made porn literally online when people are mm-hmm. like oh i can just click a thing and there's sex i mean that's like a whole crazy See, i've topic. never done that so i don't know that side of the internet i know personally. i will have to one day I'll explain it to you. Yeah, that'd be cool. How great. to do it. And when a man loves a woman, what happens as well? Yeah, I would
1: love to know that. Um, I think I've heard birds and bees are involved. I don't understand that
0: See, part. that's a common misconception. And maybe birds and bees fuck each other, but I don't, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> we'll Google it, actually. I'll show you on the internet. Yeah. Uh,
1: actually, it. comment below if you can explain that.
0: <laughs> Please don't. Um, and then the third part is, again, which I think they sort of go in and out of focusing on, especially early, like Pam and Tommy are really not a big part of the first two episodes, relatively speaking. But it's like how this affected them, which is like, I think, the emotional crux of the story. And they sort of weave in and out of each. And at the end of the day, it sort of feels like all three of those stories are sort of not quite told to their full potential, I think. Yeah. As a result. Yeah, I'm with you completely. But it does end on a strong note. I would definitely recommend it to anyone, especially if you, like, were were kids of the 90s, so this was like, the very beginning of like us being able to kind of understand what the fuck was happening. Right. Um, yeah.
1: If you're, if you're a two thousands kid, I, you absolutely have to watch this, not just for the Pamela Anderson story. Like just because that was so interesting, this is probably one of the best, I mean, social networks up there, but that was just for Facebook. Like this is one of the better shows that really was able to like reflect what that like beginning of internet age was like. Cause I remember that clearly. I like, I I'm sure you do too. Like we, yeah. we were the perfect generation, the people who grew up after us. And if you're listening, like I said, if you're a 2000s kid, you, you know, the internet, you've only known the internet, like maybe it was slower when you, you know, or you didn't have as much power or like the you know phone in your pocket, but this is a perfect show to really show you like where that change occurred and what it was like before that.
0: And, at the time, obviously, you don't realize how big of a game changer this is going to be. But even, like, the parts of Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson, like, what the fuck is the Internet? <laughs> like, well, you guys are about to make it a thing.
1: People don't even realize how much. Again, I remember this, like, people saying the Internet is just a fad and it won't
0: go oh, yeah. away. There's, I think, a New York Times article that says that, right? Like, Internet will be yeah. like fucking Polly Pocket and Tamagotchi.
1: <laughs> that, that writer's like, any day now.
0: <laughs> Come on. All right. Do you want to talk the show or the movie that we have left? Only two things. Which? Let's. Okay, I want to save the show for. Oh that. Yeah, yeah.
1: No, let's do. Let's do both.
0: Let's do. Let's. Let's talk Windfall. Okay. So this was the. This came out as we're recording this last Friday on Netflix, and I have to say, cyclically, as I've been looking at the movie release schedule this year, it's great that we are getting so many interesting releases on streaming. That this is more ubiquitous now because. It's nice to have a movie you can look forward to throughout the week, and know that we don't have to somehow find time and convince our wives to go to the theaters to watch it, right? Yeah. Which is funny, by
1: the way, because you referenced how I didn't stop you watch Leprechaun. Mm-hmm. You try to get me to stop.
0: But I also did want you me to, to
1: watch this movie. Windfall.
0: So when, <laughs> but you in... you had a text message like, "Hey, don't watch this," and I was like, <laughs> "Fuck did, you! Though. I'm going to." Windfall. I mean, I dude, I was pretty pumped for this movie. So this stars. Uh, Jesse Plemons, Lily Collins. Beth they're a married couple. As he's better known as. Matt Damon. That's an incredible fucking nickname. <laughs> um, and then, dare I say, the return of Jason Siegel yeah. in a rare acting role, a serious dramatic role. And he actually uh, conceptualized the story for this. He did not pen the screenplay, but came up with the story. So, which I feel like, and we'll get into this in a second. The guy who wrote the screenplay did fucking nothing. So, he. Like I don't know, what the, what do you want credit for? Uh, Cycli, what would you describe the plot to Windfall as?
1: Basically, a comment... I, we don't really know. That's the point of the movie. Um, we don't get names in the movie. Let's just say that. We don't yeah, get any background. I didn't
0: realize that till afterwards. I was like, what's so-and-so's name? No like, one has a name. That's their name.
1: Yeah. yeah. Uh, but basically, it's someone in society who is downtrodden, or we don't really know his personal life, but he's not high on his luck and he decides to go rob a billionaire uh, summer home and uh, you know he he knows he has evidence that the billionaire is out of town so he should have the place to himself and a little as he know that the billionaire and his wife have gotten away for the weekend and our are going to spend the weekend at the house and shit ensues because he is in the midst of a robbery
0: yeah. And you know I love the framing device of a film taking place in like a confined time period and it takes place over a 24-hour period or le- less I guess
1: maybe slightly no, more. more like cuz yeah.
0: Yeah, that's right cuz it's you're right. So I probably they like have
1: two nights, yeah.
0: Maybe like 30 hours, 36 hours. Yeah. Something like that, which was interesting, but skip ahead you know, two minutes if you don't want windfall spoiled for you. But trust me, you're not missing Actually, it. you do want this. You movie do want spoiled. it. I gotta say, cyclically, this felt like a stage play. Like this That's felt like good. it's all one setting and nothing really happens. It's all dialogue heavy, and I feel like at the very end, when the movie like culminates and you know we have a you know final set piece. Set piece is not a good an apt description, but I
1: like it. Yeah.
0: When things conclude, it's like we have barely moved from the starting line of this movie, yeah. and what little movement we've made, the character motivation really doesn't make sense.
1: this I think you just literally knocked it out of the park. This should be, and I'm sure it could be a one-act play off Broadway like this Absolutely. this that would be perfect. And because the strengths of the film, I, I don't you and I both probably didn't and you know won't give it our recommendation. but the strengths of the film, the acting was fine. The the writing was like I didn't have a problem with like Jason Siegel in the movie. Like I thought everyone performed admirably. I thought it was well acted. I thought it was well written. Thought it was well shot. Like usually when you have all of those you know that come together. If you have all three of those equations, you're coming out with a good movie. This movie just doesn't does have it, the right like the the script uh you know there's, there's no there's no purpose almost and i get that you can say that's the point uh does life have a purpose we can go really deep here um but i just that's a thing It, it doesn't feel like it fits it doesn't know what it wants to be
0: and it's interesting because and i'm glad you put it that way because it's like the script keeps all the characters very close to the vest like it almost doesn't want us to know them but then at the end it's like oh but they have this big plot development and character turn i'm like yeah but you don't want me to know these people the whole time like how how am i now supposed to like feel anything when this happens and
1: and that's where i struggle and definitely fast forward a minute here if you don't want to have this spoiled even going against our wishes but here's where you know i talk i talk to you about this the wife right the whole the, the whole climax of the film is the wife just being sick of her husband's shit Right, like she's not on her husband's side. She's obviously not on the burglar's side. She's just done. But they didn't work to that. They didn't work us as the audience to watch this couple be berated by a, a intruder and watch them succumb, maybe with Stockholm syndrome or going through their range of emotions and deniability and, and accept, you know, there was none of this. She, from the get go was immediately critical of her husband and annoyed with her husband.
0: This is like a convenient thing to happen to her. Really.
1: Yeah. And, and so the whole time I honestly was thinking, Oh, this is all a play. This is them outsmarting him.
0: Yeah. actually, like, that's, that's what, that's not a bad way to interpret it. That, that would have been a uh, Honestly, and maybe if, if this happened, I probably would have bitched and moaned. But to me, that's more interesting than what they actually did, went with. Well,
1: if and if the result was what they wanted to do is that the wife had issues and was sick of her husband and maybe he was abusive, they should have had it more of a turn and had it more of a mental dilemma and anguish and struggle yeah. like that didn't exist. They were the same characters at the beginning, at the end. She was just sick of. Of being under under a duress.
0: Well, it's like, what what response do you want to elicit from me? Do you want me to empathize with her? Do you want me to hate her? Because really, at the end, I'm just like, oh, you guys, everyone here sucks.
1: Yeah. We have a billionaire. We have a, a woman who is like, I'm a victim. Yes, I married a billionaire. But that's not, you know, I have my own identity.
0: And he's a dick and he's eccentric. But he's not like, like dude, he's not that, like, there's way worse people no. to be married to. make too. him
1: have like, fucking child sex ring or like what like i'm like why am i supposed to hate him i mean i get it like I, you know billionaires like all whatever like they take from society fine that's not the argument the movie's even trying to make though like, like
0: yeah make i don't him know I just,
1: actual villain
0: yeah for and jason siegel who's obviously very selective with his roles to put it like maybe mildly but, but he, it just it's a it's, it feels like a lot to get him out of bed for a movie these days, which is fine, man. He's worked his ass off. He's mm-hmm. got royalties from How I Your Mother for the rest of his life. But for him to like be intrigued enough to write the story to this and come out and act in it, I, I just don't know what this movie is really.
1: But I feel like. And I love Jason. I mean, he, the, you and I are in a conundrum because we love Jason Segel. You and I are such How about your mother fans? Such Muppet fans.
0: Forgetting like, Sheriff Marshall. Forgetting Sher Marshall. Michael like Michael. I
1: love you, man. Like mm-hmm. he's he's so fantastic. But then at the same time, there's this, like arrogance to him that like he's above all the things that he all the things that we love. It feels like he hates. Yeah. It feels like he wishes he hadn't done them. And so it almost makes me feel like he's, he doesn't like us for liking those roles. Like he doesn't like us as fans for appreciating those things he did. And so he does these kind of films and that you and I are like, what was the point? He's probably like, fuck yeah, man, that's what I wanted. I didn't want anyone to get it.
0: (laughs) And again, maybe he, he gets some sick pleasure out of that. Congrats. So windfall, I was very much looking forward to it, especially when I saw the trailer and the cast and all that. But falls very short of expectations i think
1: it is but i will say again you told me this i chose to watch it it is 90 minutes Yeah, you know it is not a long it is a very slow burn very slow burn if there's a burn at all um i didn't mind watching it like to be honest with you i'm not saying i hated it like it is well acted it's well shot but if you're in the mood for that watch it i think you'll feel the same. Uh, but I, it, it just, I don't know what it's trying to be. I'm still figuring it out.
0: And oh man, it's one of those movies where we should almost do like a whole pot about this. We're like, all right, if you stopped watching this movie after the second act, how would you think it ends? And I feel like if you would have said that to me with this film, I would have given it way too much credit. Like my mind, dude, if you and I could have like both watched it separately, stopped and then called each other after the second act. Think of the fucking theories we would have had on how this thing's gonna end. Right. Act. Yeah. Because it feels so ominous and like it's really setting you up for something. Yeah. And then it's almost like, you know, I think we actually made the Ryan Johnson comp if I think about it. <laughs> but in a Ryan Johnson way, it laughs in your face for having high expectations of it.
1: Yeah. And I get it. Someone could be listening, like that's the point. Not everything has to do that. That's not how life works. Or like, I get it, and I'm with you, and that's why part of the movie I I am appreciative of. But that doesn't mean i have to sit there and watch that movie i love it
0: but also i'm allowed to hate that you know exactly that's not what we're watching movies for we don't hate much on this podcast but ryan johnson and this movie are that (laughs) all right last thing Cycly, and something that hits very close to our heart what did we watch together Or not together but we
1: finished how i met your father season one Talking about Jason Siegel.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I think it's important to give the context, which we kind of referenced earlier. We are massive How I Met Your Motherheads, like diehards. I'm on my fourth full C- series rewatch right now. See, I don't would...
1: believe you. There's no way you're only your fourth.
0: I feel I've... like I'm
1: at least almost at 10 rewatches.
0: So I've seen every episode, like or, or like the key you know, 100 episodes, probably seven or eight times each. But I'm talking like, Episode from one okay through okay. 216 yeah this is probably Got my it. fourth time doing it in okay. and we are about 30 episodes away from the finale so how i met your father this hit was a 10 episode first season order on hulu week-to-week episode releases it's sort of the rare sitcom that we get now and especially one that's not on network which i gotta be honest i love the concept of a sitcom on streaming and i think the the streamers do too We were a little bit up and down with this, but I think we always said it was, it had a high floor, meaning like at its worst, it was not going to be something that we were like super pissed off at just because inherently we weren't expecting that much of it. What do you think about how it ended? And I guess the the season on the whole, knowing we're getting a second season.
1: Yeah, I think, I think you um, said it perfectly. Like you and I were saying, look, even if it's really terrible, I can sacrifice 22 minutes a week just to see kind of like what they do with the story uh, you know maybe we weren't going to go past one season originally thought depending on how it turned out but why not watch 10 episodes at 22 minutes not a big deal we can sacrifice that um, especially for such a beloved show that it was based on uh, you know the show itself like I, I think it exa- it is exactly what I thought it was going to be it had s- decent it had a it was good at some parts and it was really bad at some parts. Um, there was a lot of discontinuity between the characters, there was a lot of disjointedness, there was a lot of like actors trying to figure out who their characters were. But you know what? Life. That happens a lot of season one in sitcoms. Look mm-hmm. at The Office, look at Seinfeld, even how I met your mother, friends, season one is just I to me unwatchable. But But that's my point. So like I think we signed up knowing that we were gonna get something not too great. And so when it was good, it was very like appealing. It was like, hey, you know what? It's exceeding expectations. When it was bad, it was like you said, high floor. It was like, oh, this is what I thought. I thought it ended really well. I thought we got some how I met your mother. What made How I Met Your Mother good compared to other sitcoms was its emotional element. It was the fact that there was a story and continuity involved. You watch an episode of Seinfeld on its own, and it's a hilarious show. You don't need to know the backstory. You can even watch Friends. Does does knowing the show help? Absolutely. But same with Office. You can just pick a random show. How I Met Your Mother is inherently only as good as it can be if you watch the whole show. And I think How I Met Your Father kind of felt that way. You had to be along for the ride and enjoy episode 10 as it was. I am excited. We've gotten we're getting twenty episodes now for season two, and
0: yeah, I, I and have. I think I think they need hopes. the runway to flesh characters out more. Yeah. To be honest, yeah. do you feel like because that's a really good point, and we've observed it with like the all time greats with sitcoms, where season one is about finding your footing with characters more so than it is even like hitting the comedic beats. I think, mm-hmm. but where and this isn't necessarily like a cause for concern because i'm with this show i think till the end um for better or worse but do you feel like we have any with some characters we do but for the most part i still feel like they don't know who several of the main characters are after 10 episodes which i guess is, is kind of fair because a typical sitcom you would get like a 20 episode order for a season and they've only had 10 that's what sets how i met your mother apart
1: Go back like as the show still is awkward and having growing pains in season one, the characters were inherently who they are. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Like you you're saying you're going through rewatching it, as am I. Those characters, Ted, Barney, Rob, like the and Marshall, they are all like just it's almost like they knew exactly what they were. This show, like Ellen, I who is Ellen supposed to be, who is Jesse supposed to be? I don't even know yet. Yeah. Um and you're right, you gotta give it room to grow, and maybe we only get 10 episodes and and that's part of it. But I'm glad we're getting to see growth here, but yeah, this, the show still has a lot of room to grow if it wants to be consistent.
0: And I fall, man, I'm, we all love nostalgia porn and, you know, fan service. And that's why I'm here. And I think the show gets that. It's like, we're going to get you in with the, how I met your mother hook. And hopefully we can keep you and get you to stick around with the actual merits of the show, which I'm totally fine with that premise. I don't think it's a bait-and-switch. But what I'm starting to ask myself is, at what point am I going to want this show to basically just be How I Met Your Mother? And is the show going to resist that? Yeah. Does that I make think... sense? Like, is it going to want its own identity and I'm going to fight that? I think it is.
1: And it has to, right? Like, it's the Disney... Like, I've, I've mentioned this. It's the Disney live-action effect. Do you want Aladdin or Lion King? and to be shot for shot remakes and then we complain about how we just saw the exact same thing.
0: We don't know or, what we want. We want to Or do
1: we want them to be fucking Mulan that changes everything and we're like, oh what the fuck? They changed everything. It's terrible. Like we are part of the problem. If it's not how I met your mother, we're frustrated because we want this we miss that. We need that. But if we're seeing repetitiveness, we're also annoyed.
0: I think and let me know if you agree or disagree here, but I think one of the reasons why How I Met Your Mother is my favorite sitcom is we it, it's it's one of those rare sitcoms for us generationally that was a pretty big hit and we were able to finish it like con- like currently. Mm. Like it was appointment television on network TV when the when the show ended. And and probably more importantly, we had I had a pretty visceral emotional connection to the show and how the characters ended up. Like, I I really cared. I know people felt that way with Friends. Not so much Seinfeld just because of the nature of the show. It was right. sort of like the anti-sitcom. But I think one of the reasons why I'm going to gravitate to the show and give it every benefit of the doubt is I miss caring so much emotionally about, like, a week-to-week show, if that makes sense. That isn't like some – I'm not like a mom or dad staying at home watching, like, a daytime soap opera.
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what set How I Met Your Mother apart. And I think, so, I think that's why, I mean, this is turning into How I Met Your Mother conversation, but that's why How I Met Your Mother also never had the higher ratings that a friend's had or Seinfeld had. Yeah. Because you'd, ha- How I Met Your Mother required that It was connection. serialized. You it requ- like you could not come in randomly and like if you put on a random how I'm, I remember this happened to me before I started how I remember from the beginning which you got me started on I had seen a random episode it was season four it was live on TV and I it was just on TV and I was like oh okay like I didn't get almost any of the jokes because like they're not like ha ha humor it's, it's
0: all yeah inside character baseball. developed
1: it's humor a, no. yeah it's inside joke and so. I remember and then I got to that episode again. I was like, die, I was like, oh my God, this is a fucking amazing episode. So how about your father, I think it, it it needs to kind of decide what it wants to be. Cause I felt like some of the episodes, at least from the first season, were trying to be like one offs, but at the same time create a story that
0: we're not connected to yet. Yeah. I'm I'm there though. Uh I'll give it every benefit of the doubt. And I think knowing this is how, how I mother always functioned better. They have long runway here with season two. You have a full season order. We'll probably talk in a future episode about the debated, uh, I think hulu has gone back and forth on how they want to release the season. Yeah. But, um, I think it, I think it will succeed. Well, I think season two will be better than season one. Let me just put it that way.
1: I hope so. Yeah. And, and maybe we'll get more cameos. I want, I want to give away who we saw, but we saw some cool cameos in season one, at least the biggest one too, which we loved.
0: I mean, again, anyone who complains about fan service, like, I just, I, I'm sorry, I don't get it. Like, I we're love
1: fans. That's the
0: point. We're fans. I love geeking out and seeing fucking people and characters on screen that I want to see. I don't care yeah. if it's like cheap, a like, cheap gimmick in some cases. Do it. I yeah. want.
1: We it. That's what we knew about How I Met Your Father, too. We like were hoping to see. We wanted fan service. Like, honestly, like we're not going to deny that.
0: Right. I would be disappointed, way more upset if they didn't give me something like that. Yeah. And I feel satisfied. It's honestly, dude, that can cover up a lot of the warts of the show if you just give me like the. I'm like a dog, right? Like, yeah, you can like uh, me and not pet me all day. But if you come home, you have like a, a begging strip. Then I'm like, all right, well, fuck,
1: <laughs> dude. I'm going to go on record here. I could be wrong and I hope I'm wrong, but I get I, I'm going to say zero percent chance we ever get Josh Radner or Jason Segel.
0: Zero percent. Wow. Maybe,
1: maybe. Uh, fuck. I think we are very likely to see others, including the mother.
0: Correct. Yeah, I think so too. I here's the thing. The reason I think we could get Josh Radner back is, I think the pitch with his character and the mother, based on the timeline could actually be like not some fun cameo. It could be like really serious. And all I'm saying is one of the characters is a doctor is all. that. I'm
1: not saying I'm with you. I'm saying the potential is there. I just don't know. Like the way Jason Segel and Josh Radner are about like their time with the show. Like, fuck man. I I agree. I I hope I'm wrong.
0: I would be shocked though. Like to me, I feel like Allison Hannigan would be game to play ball. I don't want to spoil like who did show up. I feel like Kobe. Patrick Harris would be for getting sure. to play ball. Um, yeah, I think there's potential for all of them to show up. All right. We're ready to move on to the very end of our, our show. Or do you even lift bruh segment? We don't have Brian Boehner here to make the bird noise. But this is where we ask a question in the world of movies or TV, and then we leave you all with it. And the question now, Cycli, the continuing question, is what are the bros top 100 movies of all time so there's a link in the description of this podcast taking you to a google sheets where all of the bros since the start of the year have been counting down our top 100 movies list of all time and as we always do cycling for those who may be new to the podcast how would you describe our top 100 list because it's not some film festivals top 100 pieces of cinema of all time it's a little bit different
1: yeah, this is this is unique to you and only you. And that's what makes this fun. Uh, it makes every list different. It can, makes every list argumentative. It makes you think we're idiots. It makes you think we're brilliant. But that's at the end of the day. It's your list that for any reason, was it because you grew up with it at a certain time, you watched a film after a breakup or after falling in love or after something horrible happened? It doesn't matter. Like this list is your impactful films. And it's never going to be unique to or identical to anyone else's.
0: Exactly. You don't have to defend these movies, but we will because they're special to us. And again, it's not what we think are the top 100 finest made pieces of cinema. Like cycling said, it's, it's your list, man. Fuck anyone who disagrees with you. Yeah. And on that note, speaking of fighting your number you're up to your number 72 movie of all time. And your number 73 film of all time was gangs of new york so what is the movie one ahead of that at number 72
1: so it's funny i mentioned on the gangs of new york how gangs of new york should be higher just on paper this movie i'm about to say also should be higher on paper not to say these are bad movies they're clearly in my top 100 i'm just saying when you read when you get the cast and when you get the plot like these movies could be so much higher it's v for vendetta for me um great movie i think someone else has already had it on their list so far um but um so v for vendetta uh hugo weaving natalie portman who was always my 97 sorry you had okay yeah that's what i thought is um like for me, the plot of the movie. I was I've always been a very political, historical-driven uh, person. Like my my major in college was political science. Like that's always been my thing. So this movie, just watching like a kind of post, not apocalyptic, but kind of like, you know, authoritarian government takeover after. Uh, you know, I think the movie you know happens after, um, not a pandemic, but in the sense like, there was some sickness going on and revolution and basically this authoritarian authoritarian government comes like after world war three and is very dark ominous like what can happen uh with a big figurehead uh you know nazi-esque almost and you know natalie portman who's a character who doesn't support the government but finds herself accidentally involved in this revolution with this mass figure and again on paper this movie is like fucking like wow this this should be just maybe my top 20. Um, I'm not, so I don't want to like actually criticize it, but compliment it. Like, uh, it is just, you know, I love the tone. I love the music. I love the ability to just convey like the time and the era and how they made everything simple, a crime, um, their versions of their Gestapo and how they just, arrest anyone and beat anyone without question. It's a very good movie for right now, especially what's going on in Europe um, and and what's happening post-pandemic and and what you're seeing in society. Um, Natalie Port, I think the acting is is great. Hugo Weaving, who you know, he had such a great like period there in the like late 90s and early 2000s between like Matrix and Lord of the Rings and V for Vendetta. I'm like, Dude, the guy wasn't just hitting bangers all day. Um, I think the flaws of the movie are just that it 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 just doesn't fulfill some of the depths it's trying to convey. Like it just kind of like it's almost it's at the one yard line but it's not crossing it. I I don't know what exactly it needed to do to cross it. It just doesn't have that. I feel like that's the difference between this movie being 72 and this movie being top 20 because again, yeah. the concept of the movie to me, is
0: fantastic. Do you think? It, and I know it's based on a graphic novel, but do you think it gets a little too? I don't know. I don't know a better way to say this. Graphic novelly, in terms of the visualization, because it's the Wachowskis. Like, do you think that takes mm-hmm. away from it, or do you think that's sort of a nice, unique uh, that, thing that it does?
1: I mean, like, you know, it makes me think of like The Watchmen. Or, you know, like, those type of... Like, you're going for the graphic novel. I don't think that personally gave me any negative side of it. It might have reduced its uh, dramatic effect or seriousness. Like, I think you could very much tell the same movie in a very just darker tone, which is a dark movie already. But I think you have a point there. The comedic... The comic element, I should say, not comedic, does kind of take away the surface-level seriousness. And the sound effects, especially with, like, V's weapons...
0: You know, yeah, and the way he like even throws the knives is a little bit like mm-hmm. okay. Like,
1: yeah. So I think you could have easily made this movie like Dark Knight, like Batman seriousness, like Christopher Nolan vibes. But uh, and maybe that's the difference. Maybe that is what crosses the line to me that get gets it to a top thirty movie or top twenty movie. Um, uh, but again, that's not an insult. This movie is a fantastic film and I would happily like put it on any time. So if you have never seen V for Vendetta, this is a very good time to watch it.
0: Anytime someone, like, messes something up, like if I place an order on DoorDash and they get it wrong, I go, we are drowning in the avalanche of your inadequacies, Mr. Creedy. <laughs> or Mr. Creedy. Yeah. Okay. And we should watch it on
1: November the 5th, to be honest, if you haven't watched it. so
0: We really should. Also, I know you're more of an Anglophile than I am, but this is, like, the first time that it really came into my consciousness what bollocks meant. Oh, God. <laughs> they say it they say it <laughs> Can close. we do a commentary only in a British accent the whole time? Bollocks. Don't even tempt me. <laughs> Good entry. And I say that because I have it in my list as well at number 97. My number 72 movie of all time, my number 73, by the way, was Edge of Tomorrow with uh, Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And my number 72 is the comedic film from 2007. And the only time I've ever found John Heater at all humorous, and that is Blades of Glory. <laughs> Gold I Gold can't Gold. believe this made you, not in a bad way.
1: Like, I love this film. I'm just, so, so, I didn't know this was going to make your top 100.
0: It's just so fucking <laughs> quotable, man. <laughs> no. Craig T. Nelson as the coach is pretty much incredible as well. Yes. And, God, Will Arnett in it. I think the hardest, aside from Wedding Crashers I've ever laughed in theaters, is when him and Amy Poehler, who play a brother and sister skating combo, which with this weird <laughs> sexual tension. It's just...
1: Well, it's true. Okay, come on. First of all, you watched ice skating like in the Olympics, I know, I
0: totally agree.
1: And you're like, they say they're twins or brother, or sister. I'm
0: just like, they this doesn't feel right. Correct, it's very wrong. And Jenna Fisher, who of course is Pam in the office, plays God, sister who they're trying to, like, guilt trip to do things for them over the death of their mother, who was, like, driving to pick her up from, like, a skating competition or something. It has nothing to do with her, but... And Amy Poehler is telling a story about their mom, and she goes, so, mom... And Will Arnett interrupts her and goes, remember how she used to be alive? (laughs) And he's on a bearskin rug, like, (laughs) so...
1: Can I say really quickly, like, I always thought Jennifer Jenna Fisher was... um... You know, she's cute. Like, I never, like, thought she was, like, just a bombshell or anything. God, this movie, I was like, okay, all right, Jenna. (laughs) I mean, they do it on purpose when she's trying to get with Will, but I'm just like, I did not see the side of you in the office. Not gonna mind. I don't mind it.
0: No, this up the ante for sure. And another thing that I just found really relatable because, like, politicians and athletes do this too, but Will Ferrell's character went Chaz Michael Michaels, which, again, incredible fucking name. Mm -hmm. But when he learns that he has to partner up with jimmy mcelroy in the doubles competition he's at a press conference and a reporter's like what about the quote where you said jimmy mcelroy was a piece of shit and shouldn't be allowed to skate and he goes well actually that quote's taken out of context (laughs) if you had the rest of the quote and the guy goes i do have the rest of the quote and it says here and i will never take back any of these words fuck him he's a piece of shit he's like well here's a new quote for you it's like okay so we're just gonna act like you didn't say that." It's like, you can't
1: hate,
0: like, people who are like,
1: oh, I fucking hate Will Ferrell movies. He does the same. Thing. I'm like, dude, but you know what? So, like, like we talked about with the reality TV. So, like, you know what? Sometimes sometimes it's great to put his movies on and just be like, dude, I'm going to turn my brain off and laugh at the stupidest
0: shit. And this is one, it's def- It's not even close to my highest Will Ferrell movie on this list. Like, we'll get into those much later. But if you ever were like, hey, man, I have this on no one has DVDs anymore, but like you want to throw this on on streaming. I don't think if we were like about to go out to the bars and we had an hour to kill, I don't think I would ever say no to putting. No, on yeah,
1: I'm with you. I'm with you completely.
0: Another great quote. Uh, they're about to go to bed, like after they've recently started rooming together as part of their training, and he's like, "Chaz, you okay with like you need a light on or something?" He goes, "Yes, I do. The night's a very dark time for me." <laughs> mcelroy goes it's a dark time for everyone and he goes not alaskans or dudes with night vision goggles <laughs> what <sighs> the blades of
1: glory we should we should eventually long after we're done with the top 100 do it just a will ferrell ranking
0: that'd be interesting to that see. would be a
1: fun one because you could be all over the place because like someone might hate fucking talladega Nights. You know, or someone like fucking hate Blades of Glory, dude.
0: You and I were in the group for a long time. That Step Brothers just did not click.
1: No, dude, we almost walked out.
0: We did. I, that's crazy to say, but it's so true. Yeah. Like I think we actually asked each other. And we were like, "Fuck it, whatever. Let's just stay." Yeah. We don't. Let's we see. can't <laughs> drive yet anyway. We don't have a ride. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a fun one. I'd be yeah. It's definitely got to be done at some point. All right, Cycly. before we let the people go, for episode 181, any closing thoughts, words of wisdom, or just legal advice you want to give away for free?
1: Oh, no, I definitely don't want to give away legal advice, because come pay me. I uh, do not work for free. But uh, you know what? If you're driving on the highway, and you find yourself in the left lane, and a car is right behind you, get on over to the middle or the right lane, because you're in the fast lane, and the left lane is for passing only. So unless you're passing a car... Get on over to the right
0: lane. Yeah, the fast lane isn't just a metaphor for how we live our life. It's an actual place on the road.
1: Yep. You should not be just staying in the fast lane permanently. Yep. Telling you, I didn't this is you might be asking, why does Cycly always keep saying this recently? I moved a few months ago to a new state, and uh for some reason the custom in the state is we don't give a shit where we'll drive. I'll drive fifty in all three lanes and everyone will suffer for it.
0: Let me just say it might be, you know a weird recency bias but every time i move i move to a state that sucks worse at driving i don't understand it i I didn't think people could get worse from
1: where i came from
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well at least we're in the worst fucking state oh no we're not
1: (laughs) nope nope And I love it because everyone who lives here says the same thing. They're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's terrible here. I'm like, oh, good. You know it and you continue to
0: do it. I was going to say, at a certain point, though, we're a part of the problem, not the solution. <laughs> yes. Uh, all, all that I will end with is some other advice, and that's when you're going to get your haircut, make smart decisions. This is not the time to try something new. We're not at a cheesecake factory on a Thursday night, okay? We're not going to experiment. It's a fucking haircut. Be smart. If you're over 30 years old and you're a male, we don't need to put any type of dye in that thing. And if you don't have a job, you need to fucking get one to where like, this would be detrimental to your uh, fiscal situation.
1: Can I, can I add to that? Because I just got my hair cut and I told the guy like, Hey, leave it longer on top. Yeah. And then I finally looked, it's one of those, like they turn you around at the end to be like, ta-da. And I was like, dude, you fucking cut my hair so short. Like, I literally told you. So, you know what? Not only tell them what you want, but make sure they understand what you want.
0: Yeah. That's another good point. If they don't understand what you're asking for, you might as well be, have a fucking hedgehog do it. Yeah. His ass. You're in the wrong place. <laughs> doesn't matter. All right. For our legal counsel, Ronnie Cycli, I'm the mayor, Jeff a second, we are the Bro4Squad podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter, at Bro4Squad. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, iHeartRadio. Letterboxd, anywhere you find your podcast. If you type in bro, force, squad as three separate words and check out our website and our running top 100 list, as well as all of the content we have ever posted in the history of time, bro, till next time signal to the right and get over from the fucking fast lane. You don't belong there. Ford Explorer with a soccer mom and six kids. That's great. Live your life. Be safe. You're in the wrong lane. Honey. Yep. It's not for you, man.